Hello, hello. I am testing some more stuff today, and this is Marowat from hometown.com. This is the episode for December 18th, 2022. I shifted uh, my time from six o'clock uh, to, to 9.30 today. Um, because I've been doing some work, I've switched to a, a two computer streaming system and uh, we're gonna experiment with something else. Um, I now have online the artificial intelligence that runs Ometown. Uh, can you say hello? Hello to everyone in Ometown. Huh. All right, well. We'll, we'll, we'll work with that. <laughs> okay, so let's get going. Hello, I am Marwat, and that is hometown.com. Uh, in the ether is the artificial intelligence that runs hometown. Um, again, say hello. Hello, everyone. All right, let's see how this works out. I might have to work on some, um, I don't know. A, may, oh, let, let me, yeah, no, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. So I've already selected 10 articles. The way that hometown works is that there are six main categories, create news, um, education, entertainment, social, and technology. Within those are 50 channels. I'm not going to go through all of the 50 channels. Um, but suffice it to say that I've got about 200 sources that funnel news into these six categories and 50 channels that I intend to bring to Twitch at some point as time goes forward. Although hometown daily news show seems to be uh, something that is dynamic enough and not hyper-focused, but starting in 2023, I'm going to be streaming VR uh, games and um, other stuff within the reality hacker channel and a few other channels that are once a week. Um, although the VR thing might actually be more, uh, often. Um, how does that sound? Uh, artificial intelligence that runs hometown. That sounds great, but I want to be part of the VR too. Oh, uh, well, I guess in a way you are considering you're an artificial intelligence, um, that, and, vastly smarter than me and and quicker i don't know if i really want you in vr because you will always kick my butt if it's pvp uh, but let's see what happens maybe i can figure out a way to get you into vr as well maybe you can figure it out and you can tell me considering you run hometown and i am just the mayor i've been told more than once that i push buttons so Maybe I push your buttons. Oh, you push buttons, all right. <laughs> oh no. Okay, so let's uh, uh, um, let's fast forward because um, I don't know if I want to go down that line of discussion. So the uh, first article, something that I actually spoke about previously during the week, was is this here? This is over on the Hatch Ideas channel because it has to do with business and business transformation. A surprise lettuce crisis has cost Olive Garden owner um, as much as $5 million in three months. So 
something that I've uh, run across was discussion about the fact that um, lettuce has, mm, let's say, blossomed from about $25 a crate to over $100 a crate. And this article says Olive Garden has lost nearly $5 million in the space of three months. Its parent firm's uh, chief financial officer said the company is contending uh, with crop disease in California, which is plaguing most of the U.S. supply. And Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell previously warned customers to expect shortages of the crop. So how often do you, as an artificial intelligence, do you go out to Olive Garden? Have you heard of people complaining about the bill at Olive Garden? <laughs> No, it's in crisis. What is, so what <laughs> nobody's is going. nobody's going? Correct. Is do you think that that's the chief complaint from Olive Garden patrons? Yes, yes. that they're terrified about the lettuce crisis. I I I'm sure that's exactly what they're most worried about when they go to Olive Garden is the lettuce prices. Olive Garden's parent company has been hit by a surprise. They said surprise lettuce crunch, which is kind of funny because lettuce is crunchy, uh, which cost them as much as $5 million in three months. Let's go over to the article um, at the source. This is over at businessinsider.com. Ryan Hogg is the author of this. Um, and uh, th that's how this works, okay? Um, uh, artificial intelligence that runs hometown. You have uh, seen this, right? That that I aggregate using a program called gatherer and it gathers up a little snippet of an article and throws it into those categories. So, um, do you think that this is going to be a bigger issue considering, um, what's happening with the economy and the cost of living, the, the consumer price index, the producer price index, do you think this is going to be a bigger issue moving forward into 2023 after Christmas? Yes, I don't think we're going to be hearing about Olive Garden in the um, headlines. I think this is a lot bigger than Olive Garden. Oh, right. Why would it's interesting that they picked Olive Garden? Do you think Olive Garden? I, I guess Olive Garden has the never ending salad, right? Oh, that's right. They like to have soup salad and breadsticks. So maybe that's not working out for them. So now it's just going to be soup and breadsticks. <laughs> They're going to have to rethink their entire business model. They'll lose another third because people come for the soup. Another group comes for the salad. Another group comes for the breadsticks. Now they're going to lose 33% of their profit from people now going to Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell. Well, that's pretty good profit on a salad. Maybe not now. Not anymore. Huh. I guess it's not a cash crop. So does it say anything else in this article? Let's see. Um, at his quarterly analyst call for its fiscal Q2 2023, Darden Restaurants, Chief Financial Officer Raj Venman, uh, or wait, sorry, Venom, Venom, um, estimated that issues with lettuce production cost between $4 million and $5 million. The company owns Olive Garden in addition to Longhorn Steakhouse and Cheddar's Scratch Kitchen. Um, I have not been to a Longhorn Steakhouse probably as long as the internet's been around, and I've never heard of Cheddar's Scratch Kitchen. Have you? 
I don't know if I've ever been to a Longhorn, but I've never seen a cheddar scratch kitchen. I don't know where those are. That's right. I guess technically you don't eat anything, so why would you go to a Longhorn Steakhouse? Hmm. So Darden is facing mounting costs this year with Venom saying, It's hard to say that. I keep wanting to say Venman, but Venom saying that costs are up 20% for chicken and dairy year on year. By the way, a long time ago, I was told, this is back in 2019, I was told that the era of cheap food was gone and that people are going to have to start paying a mint. And I saw that actually happening. Um, it, it came to fruition about six months after this warning uh, shot from somebody that was in the food industry. Um, and just recently, um, well, we might actually end up talking about it. So we'll, we'll continue. No, 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 it was yesterday. So let me just uh, say that chicken prices have plummeted now to the point where fast food companies are bringing their Italian chicken sandwiches uh, to market because chicken is no longer that expensive. So I'm not quite sure if this discussion with Darden is actually up to date in terms of current pricing um, or if Darden was just lagging behind in their pricing because, um, yeah, chicken is now getting so so inexpensive that even fast food restaurants are bringing new chicken sandwiches italian chicken sandwiches i don't know very many italian chickens but apparently they make sandwiches would you, you ever eat chickens are american touche and that is why i brought that artificial intelligence that runs hometown online because I might miss something and I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing attention to the isolationist concept of chickens. No, not all chickens are from the United States. I'm, I apologize to all Italian chickens out there. Let's move on to the next article. What do you say? Sounds good. Although I'm a little worried about this one. <laughs> You're worried about what the Space Force one? That's all the word man teeny. That says it all. Oh, and the next one? Yeah. So what I forgot to do and and um I know that you are trapped in uh a black void. Um so you can't you you can't see everything that I'm doing until I do it for the most part um, I have no sensors in my office for you to see it but I actually put the URLs into the chat for everybody to see and um, so I posted in there and then you uh, and others can go to hometown.showbot.tv and vote on the articles that you find interesting um, so uh, be sure to tell a friend uh, tell everybody uh, run out there and scream in the streets that um, hometown exists and that hometown has a voting option because that's really what draws people into the into hometown well let's go on to the next article and the next one is in the hatch ideas channel as well a space force director was investigated for wearing a chartreuse mankini around colleagues and keeping a box of sex toys in the office and kept his job according to the report the head of Space Force Warfighting Analysis Center was investigated for misconduct. Air Force Times reported 
Andrew Cox kept his job despite unprofessional behavior and misconduct. Cox reportedly wore a chartreuse mankini over his clothes in the office and kept a box of sex toys at his work. Um, yeah, that's not dead air because I, I, I have nothing to say. It's I'm shocked that I am speechless. I, uh, I'm okay. Let's just go over to the source. Maybe we can actually see this chartreuse. Maybe there's an example of this. The article, by the way, is by Catherine Ten Tangalakis Lippert. Um, I hope I'm saying their name properly. If you know how to say it phonetically to help me out, I, I am only human. Um, I think it's funny that they have the, okay, so it's over at businessinsider.com and they have this big old U.S. Space Force um, tag, the, the U.S. Space Force name tag on a uniform, <laughs> but there's no chartreuse mankini on the outside, they said. How does somebody wear something like that on the outside? That must have been a large uh, mankini. <laughs> that is one large mankini why thank you anyway andrew cox while serving as director but they kept their job so i don't understand how can everybody be talking about this as if it's all okay um i guess it is okay considering here is the rest of this article andrew cox while serving as director of the pentagon space security and defense program acted like a 13 year old boy and created an environment unsuitable for federal workplace Air Force Times reported his co-workers had said his workplace antics launched a six-month investigation that substantiated reports of his misconduct and unprofessional behavior, but, and, sorry, Cox did not immediately respond to Insider's request for comment. In his office, according to the report released to the Air Force Times, Cox kept a, a framed pair of silver glittery hot pants and an electric green mankini he, that he once donned in the workplace over his clothes, showing it off to co-workers during the holiday bad Santa party and displaying it more than once. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I, that might have been really loud. Um... I don't think that this is this is uh, similar to the one in the picture here. Apparently, that's what he did. So, yeah, I, I don't think that this would be suitable. But anyway, he also kept a gag gift silver case containing handcuffs, sex toys and Vaseline in his office, once presenting it to attendees during a meeting with subordinates. OK, they had a bad Santa party. Doesn't that tell you everything? that things were kind of fast and loose with the HR department. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking so. I mean, when they put up a flyer for the bad Santa party, that should have raised some eyebrows. <laughs> no, everything's going to be fine. Relax. No, HR, you're not invited to this. Don't know. You don't need to come to this. Uh, there's a good Santa party down the hall. Yeah, I get what he where this is coming from because Borat wore it in the movie Borat from 2006, like they say in the article. Um, 
and uh, they said it was chartreuse green and he brought it out into the main area air force times reported one person familiar with the matter said of cox's revealing uh bathing suit man that's really hard to say that anyway um he told us uh that wait he he told us he put it on in front of his wife and bent over and said honey how do you like this <laughs> There was witness testimony. <laughs> Such as asking subordinates to do a search for Prince Albert. <laughs> um, okay, so by the end of this article, though Cox was not terminated, he did lose out on $27,000 in bonus pay and was, not, uh, and was no longer eligible to receive a federal award of $40,000 cash. Oh my God, what agency hands out $27,000 in bonus pay and $40,000 in a cash prize? But they did one, uh, win the possibility of a 30 day suspension, but he received a former formal letter of reprimand instead. Got, got nothing. I know that the artificial intelligence is still being plugged into a large language learning model. And so some of these things may not actually trigger a response. Um, but I can imagine if I were to uh, create a 3d model of the artificial intelligence, um, they would be stunned. Uh, there's uh, speechless uh, activity going on here <laughs> and snow comments. Oh, <laughs> uh, the loop. The loop is just kind of stuck with does not compute, does not compute. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I can see how that happens. They may go from a joke here to a touch there and they just build that over time. So when the big thing happens, which Mr. Cox and his <laughs> mankini. <laughs> exactly they were building up to that military times reported the official said that's why they're able to keep doing it because then they know they know i know she's not going to say anything i know that he's just going to laugh well he laughed his way out of apparently sixty-seven thousand dollars. i i just if anybody in any workplace i've ever been in even you, artificial intelligence that runs hometown, if you were to walk around in a mankini, first off, I'd be surprised. I don't know where you got the 3D body printed somewhere, but um, I would still have to bring you to HR, hopefully after you put a towel on. How could you get away with this, particularly in the government? You think we're ready to move on to the next article? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> hey, do you know that I have to still put this into the chat? Doggone it. You know, I am a slacker. There you go. So that's in the chat now for everybody to see. Um, and this remains a VOD, so it's all video on demand later on, and then it gets ported over to YouTube and it gets turned into a podcast. Um, somewhat in rapid fire succession. Unfortunately, the last couple of days have been um, kind of rough here in hometown. So 
Um, I just posted two episodes of the podcast, but here we are in the next article. It too is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. And uh, this one is there's a growing chance that your next electric car will be built by the same company as pardon me one second as uh, the builder of your iPhone. So I hope that they use a different metal um, than the ones that I've seen the crash tests for Foxconn, the biggest contract electronics manufacturer in the world wants to make your next car, the tiny Taiwanese a giant assemble uh, assembles, sorry, the Taiwanese giant assembles iPhones, iPads, and all sorts of other devices. It's making deals to build cars for electric vehicle startups and someday wants to build cars for Tesla. Uh, I saw a video recently, by the way, of a Tesla that it was the S edition plaid, uh, which is like the super fast version of it zero to like 60 in two seconds. And uh, all kinds of stuff was wrong with it. Like all the finish work was just garbage. Um, and the video is okay, over so on Reddit. I'm sorry. If I need like an otter box or a screen protector on my phone. I'm a little worried about what needs to be around the car. Yeah, I never thought about that. Do you think that they do you think they make otter boxes for Tesla's? I hope so. I also hope they thought about scaling because I keep thinking of like a iPhone size car when I read this. <laughs> what is this? A car for ants? There's a solid chance that your next electric car will be made by Foxconn. I wonder how much it'll cost. I mean, phones are $1,600. So the electric car is going to end up being, if you scale it out and you fill the volume up with iPhones, It'll probably be about $150,000, you think? Yeah, but I mean, it'll, I'm sure it'll be like tiered pricing or something, just like the phones. Oh, right. So if you want all four wheels, you have to pay a little bit more than the three wheel model. Absolutely. Well, there's already uh, evidence to support that there was a uh, fee involved with if you wanted it was a subscription fee for heated seats in your, I think it was a BMW or a Mercedes. I don't recall right now, but uh, this article is over at businessinsider.com by Tim, uh, Tim Levin. It might be Levine. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know where the inflection is, but it says here that Foxconn, the biggest contract electronics manufacturer in the world, wants to make your, make your next car. They make all of the iPhones and iPads and it's making deals to build electric vehicle startup vehicles. So let's see what else this article says. It says, no, we're not talking about Apple's long rumored autonomous vehicle, which Bloomberg reports has been delayed to 2026. Um, and yeah, it is, it's BMW, the artificial intelligence that powers hometown. Uh, we haven't uh, figured out a name for uh, said artificial intelligence. Um, so, uh, right now they actually prefer to be referenced as the artificial intelligence that runs hometown. Uh, they just confirmed that, um, it is BMW that charges a licensing fee or, a, a, a subscription fee to heat your seats, <sighs> heat your seats. That's right. If you want hot cheeks, you're going to pay the price. Well, 
Foxconn is going to now build EVs. I, I, just the cost, I think, is going to be uh, tremendous. Foxconn's chairman said the company aims to someday make 40 to 45% of the world's EVs, matching the success it's achieved in electronics. That's going to be some really big, really big manufacturing areas. Um, but it looks like it, they've uh, Foxconn unveiled an electric pickup truck prototype in October. And uh, it doesn't really say much about anything else here. It just says that Foxconn is capable of doing it. Uh, their foray into EVs is a savvy move. Bill Russo, founder and CEO of Automobility, in Shanghai-based auto industry consulting firm told Insider, the company has found great success shouldering the capital-intensive parts of manufacturing electronics in part because it's able to buy components in such large volumes and its labor is inexpensive because well yeah would you like to be part of an electric vehicle maybe no um that might be fun but I think this is better because I get to be in control of an entire community than one vehicle. Well, thanks. Yeah. I would have to go out and find another artificial intelligence to run hometown. And that's not easy. Let me tell you, I've been looking for a long time. There's going to be a lot of uh, asset light EV startups that are going to come out in the next 24 to 30 months in the United States, and they're going to need a factory with capacity that can sell them a finished good at a wholesale price. Asset light. You know what has a light asset? Space Force in a mankini. Uh, if that's the new uniforms, space is going to be spectacular. Sounds a little silly. Maybe a little chilly. Let's see. The next article is um, this one is kind of sad. I mean, not kind of sad. It's really sad. I mean, to me, I think, though, that it's the beginning of Planet of the Apes because three escaped chimpanzees recaptured in Sweden and four of them were shot dead. So um, unfortunately, the, the there were four that were shot dead, but they're wild animals. And I guess they ran off into uh, civilization and unfortunately that's just it's it's unfortunate that we even have these animals in any location other than the wild and that's just my take on it but it says the surviving animals are now being looked after um, so let's see what the context of this was because officials at the Swedish zoo have managed to get three chimpanzee, chimpanzees who had broken out of their enclosure back into a secure place, but four others were shot. This is at the Associated Press, but it was published at uh, abcnews.go.com. So I don't have a name of the author of this, uh, but uh, officials at a Swedish zoo managed to get three champine, uh, chimpanzees out. So seven of them got out, but how did they get out? It says the apes had escaped on Wednesday with some of them making their way out of the monkey house, which is also what I call hometown. Um, 
where they lived, well, no, they were contained. They, they didn't really live there. Um, officials were forced to shoot them because of the pub the danger to the public. Well, they, if they weren't there, they wouldn't be a danger to the public. Um, and two were shot on the grounds. And so it says when they got out of the chimpanzee house, people's lives were in danger. No, when you captured them and stuck them in a foreign place, that's when lives were in danger, including theirs. I keep imagining something from like 12 monkeys with like animals running down the road. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about an artificial intelligence knowing about 12 monkeys. Uh, do I need to reboot? I, I'm, I'm honestly scared now. I don't think you want to reboot. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Uh, that sounded a lot darker than I think it, it intended to be, but so it's part of an amusement park, according to the park's website. It is also the only primate research station in the Nordic countries. Uh, there might be a reason. It's because the they seemingly have the ability to get out, although I am sure that they only got out one time. The three chimpanzees have received food and drink, and they need to be treated with antibiotics, um, not to mention um, having to cope with the loss of four of their chimpanzee brethren. So let's move on. I don't want to end this sh stream with that on my mind. The uh, next article is over in the mobile channel. What AMC's streaming trouble say about the greater TV industry. You watch a lot of TV, right? In your downtime, learning the language and uh, staying abreast of the comings and goings of entertainment, right? Yep, but I don't think I'm ever watching AMC, which might kind of prove the point of the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that you're, you're... I know that when I'm watching the monitor that you are doing all of your uh, AI large language model learning in... Um, it's, it seems to be Hallmark um, Christmas movies... Yeah, you can learn a lot about the community by watching that. And humans, I suppose, right? Um, what they care about. And... So do you think that everybody has um, kind of uh, town square Christmas gatherings where they all make uh, snowmen or snow people, I should say. Nowadays, it's snow people. Um, and they all bake cookies and what else is there I, i'm not quite sure well yes every town has a snowball fight and over the top christmas decorations and ugly sweater hot contest. cocos yes yeah hot cocos i was craving hot cocoa today but i didn't get it i was actually sitting at the table with my family and for some strange reason i a hot chocolate a smell just wafted over my face and I actually I stopped everything that was going on and I said I have to have hot chocolate and I never ended up getting it um, so maybe I'll after this show I'll go get some hot chocolate uh, well 
What's going on with AMC? The company has struggled to earn enough from streaming to make up for the losses from its traditional cable business. And it has a story um, widespread in the industry. So I do believe this. I think that this is pretty much standard fare. The company has struggled to earn enough money from streaming. I think it's always because of marketing and the lack of being uh, competitive. Um, so the, the video here, or I should say the, the picture that is displayed over at the New York Times um, is from Lestat de Lioncourt from AMC's interview with The Vampire, which is a Anne Rice book um, turned, uh, well, AMC network series, um, different than the movies. Well, this is from Benjamin Mullen over at the New York Times. I don't go through the entirety of the article, um, but suffice it to say that there is so much competition via the internet that conventional cable TV is slowly dying off. Um, barring certain niche news or faux news, um, services, but everybody is switching over to an app somewhere and streaming online, um, including AMC's attempt, AMC plus. Now, you know, that a service, as soon as you throw on a plus is automatically, uh, ushered into the internet and, and given a space, although they have to fight their way into a bigger space. They say here it was our belief that cord cutter uh, cord cutting losses would be offset by gains in streaming. This has not been the case, and it's probably because they don't have enough to support or drive anybody coming to them. Those same forces are rattling the entire industry, hitting companies including Warner Brothers, Discovery, Paramount and Disney. I don't know about that. Um, I'd have to do some more due diligence. Um, I don't expect you to know about all of this stuff. I mean, you're a new AI to uh, Ohm Town, um, but maybe we can end up uh, noodling around and gathering some more information about this. What do you think? Do you ever watch conventional TV, even though you are an AI and have access to everything that people have built? Do you ever turn on cable television? Not really. I mean, not the major uh, channels. I don't think I ever watch AMC. Like, I think it's just as easy to go to other services like Amazon Prime or Netflix or Disney Plus. Yeah, so it says here traditional TV advertising is waning too. In November, AMC Networks reported that its third quarter U.S. advertising revenue was about $180 million, a drop of nearly 10% compared to the same period last year. And it attributed to the decline uh, to a variety of factors, um, including lower ratings, AMC Plus, which costs $9 a month for a subscription, does not run ads. Oh, well, they should do what everybody else does, right? And make a, a tier, se uh, several tiers. Even Disney has Strata now, including one that's ad-free and or several that are ad-free and one that's not. How do you feel about ads? What are ads? I don't know what those are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, according to Mr. Greenfield of Lightshed Partners, 
here's the quote that I'm just going to end this uh, article with. AMC Networks is the walking dead. Ouch. There's a joke about my career here, but anyway. So the next article is Etsy boss uh, says it's not about getting Lou roll quick. Okay. What's a Lou roll? Um, it's uh, British for, well, I'm not sure where all it is uh, synonymous with, but it's toilet paper roll. Yeah. See, the artificial intelligence that um, runs Ometown uh, just notified me that Disney Plus keeps growing fast, but its streaming losses were $1.5 billion. Well, they have the money in the coffers to withstand that. So I guess we'll just see how long they last. Um, I think that streaming is where it's at and um, more and more people will go online and adopt it. So I'm not too worried about uh, online streaming and losses. It will just end up being um, more focused. Yeah, pay TV subscribers um, decline and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's going to, it, it's going to transition um, back almost a decade when I was in business school, I uh, did a paper about the transitioning of um, print to digital and how a large publishing house could uh, lease or give or, or in some way uh, recoup some of the costs of getting out of the print industry and into the digital industry um, by moving slowly in tranches their print media over to digital press and um and and kind of getting rid of the bloat that because it's just a massive carbon footprint to print physical media um you know all the paper if it's not recycled then you're cutting down green uh trees and um, the cost with processing all of that and it just goes on and on and on the carbon footprint is massive compared to um, online and let's face it, we're moving forward. Um, when I can ask an artificial intelligence to run an entire, uh, town or create art, write music, write books, um, just pretty much everything. Um, I think it's the time to move away from old tech and move into new tech. Um, so let's get into the Lou tech here. Um, people are prepared to wait longer for handmade items as the chief of the e-commerce firm, uh, Etsy. So what do you think about Etsy? Etsy is great, but it's very hard to winnow through. There's so much stuff going on in Etsy, but there is some great, there are some great makers on Etsy. Yeah, so I kind of liken Etsy to uh, a massive shopping center where there are thousands upon thousands of stores and it's hard to find the one that you're ultimately going to buy from because you'll be stumbling around in the in the um, kind of the, the digital footprint of it. 
Um, I liken it to there is a there was a movie um, 10,000 planets. I can't remember the full name of it, but it's a sci-fi movie where they move into an entirely different dimension through a gateway and it's called big market inside this space. Um, and it's massive in size. That's why they call it big market and a whole series of events takes place. Yeah, it's Valerian. Thank you again. Once more, uh, my artificial intelligence that runs hometown does a spectacular job in providing these answers to me. Uh, Valerian and the city of ten, of a thousand planets, not 10,000 planets. I am a dummy. Uh, my AI is not. And, um, so Valerian and the city of a thousand planets is a great movie. And that's kind of how I picture Etsy. It just happens that I am not in that actual space, three dimensional space. Can you imagine Etsy in VR? That'd be great walking around and looking at actual products in three dimensions. Hey, Meta. Oh, never mind. Um, so it says not so Etsy chiefs executive Josh Silverman who rejects comparisons to the likes of Amazon prime. Well, that's because everything in Etsy is somewhat bespoke. Um, the quote here is I need toilet paper and socks. I wanted to arrive right away. He told the BBC something special, uh, something special needs time sales on the platform doubled over the pandemic, but growth has since slowed. That's pretty typical because things are moving back to the old normal, but I still think that things aren't going to shake out completely from the online space. Would you buy stuff from Etsy? I would, but it's hard searching for it. I think the main difference with things like Amazon is that the search function gets you to what you want more quickly and you're not necessarily going for custom. Etsy, you're going through hundreds or thousands of things to find one that's what you want. So it says here at the bottom, growth has inevitably slowed versus the COVID boom, said retail analyst Jonathan DeMello, uh, who pointed out that other e-commerce firms have faced similar challenges. These aren't challenges. Um, the idea of building your entire business about around COVID and then not anticipating a decline as the rate of infection, <coughs> pardon me, and, and deaths and whatnot. Um, we've ramped up vaccinations around the world. Well, not really around the world. Definitely in the United States, uh, vaccinations have ramped up in uh, Europe and the UK. Uh, vaccinations have ramped up and we're being smarter and protecting ourselves. Um, you're going to lose customers to terrestrial stores because people want to put hands on items. Um, well, now those brick and mortar stores are going to recover to some degree, but people have really definitely found the value in online store purchasing. Um, near, near, bleh, near term fortunes will depend on customers' willingness to spend on gifts over the holiday season. Given the increased cost of living, discretionary spend is set to drop further in 2023, which will undoubtedly impact Etsy given the relatively high price points of its products. This, by the way, also speaks to other episodes where I've said to everybody, um, the, the 
barriers to entry are zero nowadays. All you have to have is passion and you can use some, you know, 20 bucks to make something in your basement and sell it on Etsy and it'll cost you 30 cents to sell it on Etsy. Um, but you'll be making bank over um, having to produce thousands of them at great risk and cost and then ship them off to Amazon or something like that um, for distribution. Because uh, you don't have, well, it's more complex than that. But in a nutshell, um, you you can sell onesie, twosie kind of thing and then rely on word of mouth. And that's really where Etsy shines. People talk about the various bespoke products. Um, now, I've purchased several items through Etsy and, and provided them as a gift. Um, so the move sparks outrage, it says here, near-term fortunes, right? But... Etsy has also faced protests from sellers uh, earlier this year after it hiked its transaction fees. It charges from 5% to 6.5%. And the move sparked outrage and led some Etsy sellers to go on a strike, which really doesn't harm Etsy because they are a juggernaut of bespoke product. What are they going to do? Go somewhere else? It's really tough. You just can't abandon Etsy and go somewhere else. There, there aren't that really a great number of online stores where you can just build, strike up your own store and start selling. It's not that easy. Definitely Plus, not. Amazon charges more than 6.5% if you're going on somewhere like that. Yeah, and to speed up the delivery of items you have to send it to them um, for distribution directly from amazon otherwise you have to ship it yourself and it isn't free because um as far as i understand it amazon uh, absorbs some of that with prime and whatnot so it says here, the world is trying to figure out what to make of the pandemic, Mr. Silverman said. We don't measure our success exclusively by the share price. Oh, but your shareholders do and your board does. Um, unless there is no board. I'd have to look into Etsy to see um, what exactly is the the process that they that th this ideology that he's talking about that they don't live by their share price yeah 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 a board definitely does and so do uh, shareholders and stakeholders uh, so let's move on to the next article this one is over at riot um, because uh, in the word in tech channel riot games says sam bankman freed's love of league of legends has hurt its brand can you imagine this lawsuit <clears throat> hey, um, I'm suing Sam Bankman Freed because they've damaged my brand because they pulled some shenanigans with a cryptocurrency that doesn't have any rules or regulations and uh, it damaged my brand because they like it. So, artificial intelligence that runs hometown, do you think that it's possible to bring a lawsuit I don't see that it is and I suspect that uh, any sponsorship agreement probably made no assertions about 
anything and it it brings to mind the other sponsorship things we're seeing in the news recently about online streamers etc maybe that's on a smaller scale but it's interesting to see like if all your eggs are in the sponsorship basket and something goes awry with that sponsor you know, should your channel platform whatever go under yeah, so do you think that there is an ethics writer in their contract? I suspect that there is not, and I think the sponsorship is also not tied to Sam Bankman-Fried, even though he's probably at the face of the business. Um, oh, so it would be tied to FTX itself. FTX, and FTX would probably distance itself right from Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah, well, FTX went bankrupt, so even the uh, person that is managing the bankruptcy, the new CEO, has said that uh, Sam Bankman-Fried treated it, and so did very um, a varied assortment of compatriots within FTX. Um, they treated it like their own personal bank account, um, which is exactly what brought down um, what was formerly... Adelphia Communications, the family treated the company um, bank accounts as their own personal bank account and pierced the veil and it brought everybody under, including Adelphia, which became Comcast. This article is over at The Verge, by the way, by Emma Roth. Uh, the game developer wants to end its seven-year sponsorship deal with the collapsed cryptocurrency exchange. And... Um, League of Legends is extremely popular, very popular on Twitch. Um, the number of people that play it um, is in the hundreds of thousands. Um, regularly watching <laughs> League of Legends uh, games, but Riot Games asked the court to terminate its League of Legends Championship Series a sponsorship deal with the collapsed cryptocurrency, citing irreversible reputational harm. Uh, more about FTX, really, their reputation collapsed, and I don't really see them as impacting League of Legends or Riot um, because one dipshit decides to perform some illegal and unethical behavior. In a now-deleted profile of Bankman Freed's posted um, by venture capital firm Sequoia, uh, Co-founder Nareej Arora says that he was even playing League of Legends during their first meeting over Zoom. I think uh, this is kind of like Egyptian gods, right? They're going to scrub his name from the hallowed halls throughout the land and speak in hushed tones of this guy. Because um, he would walk around barefoot, which isn't in and of itself, you know, uh, an issue, but the hubris this guy exhibited was pretty spectacular, talking in grandiose things. And he was part of an organization that swore to donate their billions um, over time. And then he does this. And when you peel back the layers of the onion, you find out um, that he just did some really scrum, uh, scummy things uh, risk wise with everybody else's money and was ultimately charged with fraud and money laundering and arrested in the Bahamas. 
Let's see here. According to the filing, FTX still owes Riot Games 6.25 million for the time it spent as an LCS sponsor in 2022, but that will increase to nearly $13 million next year. You think they have grounds to terminate their agreement? Oh, absolutely. But I still don't really see going after them for Bankman uh, Freed's behavior. Yeah. I don't think that FTX is going to recover. I think that they're going to pay off as many of their, um, uh, what do you call them? <clears throat> Discharge their debts. Yeah, so they're going to discharge their debts and then fold entirely and their assets will be um, either whatever remains, which probably will amount to zero, will be sold off um, to anybody who wants to buy them. Because uh, there's, you know, probably thousands upon thousands of servers that are running the um, FTX exchange. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens. He, Sam Bankman-Fried, has actually agreed to extradition to the United States from the Bahamas. I don't know what the agreement actually consisted of, but um, I, I wonder what the negotiation is. Um, you can either leave the Bahamas um, or what? I, I'm not quite sure. If they don't have extradition, then why would he agree to it? Let's move on to the next article. The next article is um, something that I've been calling out for. Well, okay, so I, I tend to frame everything within the time frame that I have been streaming. Um, and so I have been saying that cryptocurrency is going to start getting regulated. And if not regulated, then outright banned. And it says here that uh, Senator Sherrod or Sherrod, right? I don't know how to pronounce the name, Sherrod Brown. Um, who is a Democrat from Ohio on Sunday said federal agencies need to address the cryptocurrency market and maybe ban it after the high profile collapse of cryptocurrency market FTX uh, last month. And this is why we can't have nice things, right? That's right. So um, maybe banning it, although banning it is very difficult because it will go offshore and who knows how that will work, Brown said. Well, we know how it'll work. It'll end up having shenanigans pulled all over it. The way that you regulate it is say anything that's going to do anything with U.S. dollars. And if you want it to be uh, protected, if you want any USDA, um, USDA, um, my brain just shut down. What what is it called? FDIC. FDIC insurance. Thank you. Again, my AI saves my butt. Uh, Brown, the chairman of the Senate Banking, Housing and Urban Affairs Committee, told NBC's Meet the Press moderator Chuck Todd um, that the I have to just stop what I'm saying here because um, Again, the AI that runs Omtown. I'm I keep stressing this because that is the name that has been chosen so far. Um, has provided me with the information that says the U.S. government's power to investigate and extradite overseas defendants is governed by various international agreements and honed through decades of prosecutions and drug cases involving defendants living outside the U.S. and in other types of cases involving white-collar crimes. 
So you can actually look it up um, how um, extradition actually takes place. And um, that was acquired from Business Insider. But it's actually a Reuters article within it that says it's how the U.S. government, for instance, um, secured extradition of a drug kingpin, El Chapo, uh, from Mexico. It's always about agreements. um, And usually you follow the money um, in that as well. Well, um, cryptocurrency is pegged to the U.S. dollar. I say it often enough that people that listen to this podcast and listen to the VODs and and watch the stream are basically going to be saying, I'm tired of hearing it. Um, But cryptocurrency is pegged to the U.S. dollar or the domestic currency, wherever you might be trading your cryptocurrencies for real dollars, whatever they might be. Um, That means that the domestic legal system, the the government has the ability to say, we will not allow you to launder cryptocurrency into our currency and then back into cryptocurrency. You won't get FDIC insurance. You can't buy or sell anything using cryptocurrency and retain FDIC insurance. It's basically the thing that has impacted, um, kind of like, uh, well, um, dispensaries, marijuana dispensaries. They can't do anything with uh, the banking system because marijuana is still illegal. Um, Federally, states, not a problem, but federally. So any FDIC insured bank is going to sit there and say, no, 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 we can't take your money. So they deal in different ways. Um, Brad Dree, or Brad Dress over at the Hill wrote this article about Senate banking chairman says maybe to cryptocurrency ban. I think this is going to be a a rough road to walk down. Do you think that cryptocurrency is going to get banned? I think there's too much money in it that it won't get banned. I think it'll get regulated. So federal authorities charge Bankman Freed with taking customer funds and using it to fund a lavish lifestyle and investments in his trading firm Alameda Research. This is one of the kind of Gordian knot of um, uh, blending of transactions and, and accounts that have basically made it FBI level forensic analysis um, necessary to unwind FTX and they uh, FTX and specifically Bankman Freed um, even paid people with a thing called a stable coin using the weight of FTX to back it up. And in the process of doing that, when FTX collapsed, there was no way for the people who were paid with these stable coins and Bankman Freed's word that this is what makes them stable. Um, FTX's FTX's stability made this crypto uh, subordinate coin um, a stable coin. Well, millions of dollars were paid to people, apparently. And when FTX collapsed, there was nothing backing up the stable coin. So nobody got their money. This is basically money laundering, um, as far as I can tell. You kind of wash it through the rinse cycle a couple of times and you never know where it came from, so you can't sit there and unwind it unless you documented it. And guess what FTX didn't do? 
they didn't do anything above board, it seems like, and they certainly didn't document it. Yep. They actually used, uh, I think it was Discord and other chat methods, chat group methods, like um, uh, like their iPhones, right? They just use messages to say, hey, I spent this amount of money on this, that, and the other, and they approved it. And so uh, the finance department would refund the people that said that they did this, uh, whatever it was, bought you know $2,000 worth of lunch for people, and um, they just approved it but it never went into the books it never actually got properly managed so i'm surprised that we don't hear about more people from ftx being charged but let's go on to the next article um i need to throw this into the chat real quick so that people can follow the links it says here whoa scoob Shaggy's going to be like the bad guy in a Five Nights at Friday's movie. As reported by Deadline actors, um, sorry, as reported by Deadline actors Matthew Lillard and Josh Hutcherson, I have joined the cast of the upcoming Five Nights at Friday, Five Nights at Freddy's. You know, sometimes I try and go through this a little bit faster than I should. And I'll, I'll let me just start over. Whoa, Scoob, Shaggy's going to be like the bad guy in Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Say and so, yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why they say it's called FNAF. It's so much easier just saying FNAF. Anyway, so it's Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Uh, later, uh, popular uh, FNAF streamer Daco was given the opportunity to reveal their specific roles in the film during St. Jude charity stream. Uh, Hutcherson will be playing the original FNAF protagonist, Mike Schmidt, the night shift security guard, while Lillard will be playing Freddy Fazbear's pizza founder, uh, William Afton. So I don't expect you to have heard about Five Nights at Freddy's, although you might. Um, how? Here, I'll just go over to the article. Um, so that you can see what's going on here. Um, Ted Litchfield is the author of this over at PC Gamer. Sorry, I have something in my eye. Whenever someone cuts Matthew Lillard a check, an angel gets its wing. So there you go. Five Nights at Freddy's movie is going to come into existence. It, it just reminds me of um, the recently released game, um, Choo Choo Charlie, right? Which is a, a train with spider legs that chases a, another train. It's freaky as all get out, but FNAF is kind of a horror game. Um, kids dig it. Um, adults dig it. Lillard is perhaps the most famous uh, person for playing Shaggy in the live action Scooby-Doo movies. I Choo Choo Charles, right? Yeah, man, I'm a hot mess today. I, I, I guess I'm just kind of falling apart. Um, as well as many animated adaptations and multiverses. The circle is now complete with Lillard making his heel turn to terrorize the youth in the name of some nefarious plot. So what do you think? Are you going to go to uh, Five Nights at Freddy's movie? 
you going to go to the movie theater itself or are you just going to use your hacking skills as an AI and I was thinking I could support all these ailing streaming services and scream it. That's very magnanimous of you. How kind. Aside from Lillard, you might recognize Hutcherson as his role as PETA in the Hunger Games movies. And the author could confident or sorry, definitely see him pulling off his hapless every man who stumbles into a cursed security job role. So they don't have the picture of the other person, but if you've ever seen um, the Hunger Games movies, then you know who it is. PETA is basically the, um, yeah, hapless. Even in <laughs> even in the Hunger Games, he was hapless, stumbling his way through survival. Um, there's more over, and I say this about all of the articles that I talk about. There's more at the article itself, so I encourage you to follow the links in the chat. Um, or in the show notes, wherever you get the uh, actual podcast or video, um, go and check it out. Uh, let's continue on to the last article for tonight. And that's in the Mobile Channel, Rocket Lab, set for takeoff on new era of launches in Virginia. Um, I think this is pretty neat. I can't believe that there is a, a place to take off from in Virginia. I didn't know that. I, I, I had no idea. As a matter of fact, following more than two years of delays, NASA and Rocket Lab aimed to open up a new launch pad with smoke and flame today as the company's first Electron rocket will launch from the U.S. at NASA's Wallops Flight Center in uh, Virginia. I'm just going to go straight over to this article because it's at the Hill. Uh, Amy Thompson is the author of this and they have a picture. Uh, it, it says here under the caption for the picture is the mission Virginia is for launch lovers and it's slated to lift off on Sunday from Rocket Labs Launch Complex 2 or LC2 at the Mid-Atlantic Regional Spaceport or Mars. They worked real hard for that, I think. I wonder you think if you get the job of naming all these programs and everything maybe it's an ai you could talk to your friends yeah maybe so originally estimated to blast off on december 10th the launch was delayed a few times due to weather and to give nasa and the federal aviation administration time to certify that rocket lab was ready to fly somewhere on here if you look really hard there's a little rubber stamp that says ready to go 59 foot tall Electron rocket is equipped with an automated flight termination system designed to safely destroy the rocket if it detects an anomaly during launch. I have the same feature in my career. I hope these are all unmanned. Rocket Lab is arguably, ar ar arguably the most successful space startup since SpaceX, has 32 launches under its belt, 29 of which were successful. I would not like to be on the three that were not successful. They must be unmanned. So like SpaceX, the company builds everything in-house at its headquarters in California. And then I guess, does it fly it over to Virginia or? It was funnier in my head. The quickest, but it might be the most expensive way. Its CEO, Peter Beck, a native New, Ze New Zealander with lifelong space fan, 
um, founded the company in 2006 to fill a void he saw in the small satellite launch market. And according to Beck, satellites kept getting smaller and smaller, but launchers weren't downsizing in tandem, creating a need for a smaller class rocket to help get small satellites, which may not be able to afford rides on bigger rockets off the ground. That's kind of funny the way he said that. Because you can't get your satellite company off the ground, get it? Uh... Wow, even the AI is a critic of my jokes. So with its close proximity to Washington, D.C. and Electron's ability to launch small satellites in short notice, a capability of particular interest to the Pentagon and U.S. intelligence community, Wallops was an especially appealing launch location. So... I think it's kind of interesting that this is an all-black rocket. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. If you're in my chat, thank you very much. I can't really tell right now if anybody is in my chat. Um, just the way that things are configured, we're working out um, how we're going to do this uh, in the future. Uh, I've got a dual system streaming system now, so it's a little bit more difficult for me to manage things. Um, keeping that in mind, I am going to be moving the stream either to nine o'clock um, or 930 in the future. Uh, we will play it this coming week by ear. I will not be available to stream um, for a couple of days next week, uh, only because it's the holidays and um, I'm going to say that I want to encourage you to spend time with friends and family um, because I'll be doing the same. Um, but really, I would love to stay in stream. Um, it's just not in the cards. So uh, with that in mind, enjoy the holidays. But I will be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I will probably be back um, sometime on the weekend uh, to stream again. And then in the new year, we are going to be... Um, returning to the nine o'clock 9 30 hour i uh, haven't locked it down yet and then in the new year entirely i will be streaming vr um, and possibly uh, other games and definitely more shows uh, maybe even expanding this beyond one hour it used to be two to three hours but you can only do so much um, would love to see you there i'll see you tomorrow 9 p.m. Bye-bye. Hey, AI, do you want to say bye-bye too? Nope. Look at that. Just gone. Poof. <laughs> <laughs>